Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. The book of Isaiah tells the story of God's people 3,000 years ago. The book of Isaiah tells the story of God's people here and now. The truest, deepest message of the scriptures always comes when we see the story of those ancient people's meeting up with our story right now, and there lies the spiritual message for God's people. When we look at the book of Isaiah, we need to remember that it's written in three different parts over three different time periods. Uh, Chapters 1 to 39 are the prophet Isaiah going to the people and saying, you're going the wrong direction. You're doing the wrong things. These people were worshiping other gods. These people were, uh, if they were in power, if they were wealthy, they were not taking care of the poor and the orphan and the widow. What they were doing was getting richer and more powerful on the backs of the poor. And God said, this is not my way. Change your ways, people. And, of course, what's going to happen is uh, the things that they are doing wrong is going to lead them to be conquered by the Babylonians and end up in exile. Now, you have to think that not everyone was doing the wrong things, right? There had to have been some people in uh, that ancient time who were actually trying to be faithful to God. And yet, when... The exile comes. Everyone will suffer. And this, today, is our first spiritual principle. We are all in this together. And too often we think, well, this is just about me. I want to do this. But I guarantee you that there are ways that someone else will be impacted by your, it's just my decision, it's my life. If nothing else, those who love you are likely to be impacted by whatever decision you're making that might be harmful to yourself or to someone else. We are all in this together is God's first 
word to God's people. Now, when we get to this passage in chapter 43, we're now into the second part of Isaiah. And this is during the time when they have been taken off into Babylon. They're in captivity. It's a terrible time. Uh, they're, they're suffering a lot. I mean, think about it. They don't have freedom to worship their God. They don't have freedom to do whatever they want. Uh, they're, they're basically enslaved by the Babylonians. Life is not very good. And, of course, all of us can relate to these times when life is just not what we want, that we would, we would hope that our life would be going in a different direction or we would hope that things would be different or that we could get out of whatever place we are in. And this is exactly where those people are. And here in chapter 43, God has a few things to say to the people in the midst of their exile and captivity. Now, if you look at this passage, the first thing that God puts before the people is, I will make a way. I will make a way through uh, the sea. I will make a way through the wilderness. Jesus is the way. The first Christians uh, called themselves people of the way. They didn't call themselves Christians. The way is such an important idea that God has placed before us. There is a way that God asks us to travel. Uh, in in uh, the Hebrew, it's direct. In, in, in Greek, it's hodos, but it's there throughout the Bible is the way. But we so often misunderstand the way that God is placing before us. Here's what I mean. For some Christians, the way means I confess Jesus and then I just get on the monorail and ride on to heaven. Or for some people, the way means something like this. Okay, you confess Jesus, you read your Bible, you uh, uh, pray, and you have a certain set of beliefs. And then that's, that's the way. But you know, that's not what God is ever saying. I mean, those things are important. I'm not, not throwing those out. I think they're very important. But suppose this. Suppose every Sunday I'm preaching about Jesus being the way, and here's what you should believe. And suppose uh, every Monday I'm teaching a Bible study, and I'm saying, here's what the Bible says, here's the way. And then you happen to see me in the grocery store, and I'm yelling at the cashier. What are you going to think? That is the point because the way is really revealed in the way we live. The way really shows up in the way we are treating and acting toward others. It's in the relationships that we have that we really end up seeing that we believe in Jesus and the love of God is at work within us. You see, uh, the, the, the way 
is a way of living. The way is a path that has to be walked and lived out. And, you know, sometimes you're, you're going to lose sight of the way, but, but then you learn from it and you get back on that path. The second spiritual principle that is laid out before us is that the way is a way we live. That we have to live the way of God. We can't just believe it or talk or think about it. It's got to be lived out if we want to follow Jesus. Then, if we're staying here in uh the text in chapter 43, then comes this interesting word from God that says, hey, don't remember the things of old. See, I'm doing a new thing. Don't remember the things of old. Now, now, it's not like God is saying, forget everyone you've ever loved. Forget every good thing that's ever... Forget, no, that is not Exactly, because we learn from and we treasure things from the past. But listen, if your people sitting by the rivers of Babylon in captivity, you're looking back to Jerusalem. And some of the people are in a place where they're going, if only we had done such and such. They're thinking... Woulda, coulda, shoulda. They're looking back and they have so many regrets about the past. And I wonder how many people of God, you have gotten yourself where you look back upon things in the past with regret. There are things I so wish I could have done differently. On the other hand, there are people in captivity who are looking back to the past and they're going, oh, life in Jerusalem. It was everything. It was so great. We had freedom. We could do what we want. We could go where we want. We could eat what we want. What a great life we had back there. In either case, the past has taken hold of these people in a way that they're missing the future, in a way that they can't see that God is about to do a new thing. You know, if you're like Lot's wife and you're looking back to where you've come from, you're going to be a pillar of salt. You're not going to be moving into God's good future. I mean, a few years ago, uh, I was talking to a pastor who was pastoring a small church out somewhere or another. And this person said to me, the church is so unwilling to change that they've never even uh, gotten rid of the old Cokesbury hymnal, that they don't accept the new hymnal as as God's, you know, decision upon their lives or whatever. And I'm like, they they can't even see that singing a new song might be to God's glory? You see, sometimes we get so caught up in the past, we can't see that God is doing a new thing and moving us into a better future. I mean, do you really trust that the way of God is going to lead to the best possible life or not? And here's the thing. Faith and hope are always pointed toward the future. You can't have faith in the past. 
You can't have hope in the past. You have faith and hope in the future. And how you live right now should be trusting that God is leading you to a place that is so much better than you have ever been before. See, God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Or are you clinging to the past? In fact, if you, if you look at the last ten chapters of Isaiah, it's about their return to Jerusalem and their disappointment that things aren't the way they used to be. Instead of seeing that God is doing a new thing, They're trying to go back to what they once had. So the the third spiritual principle then that this is putting before us is that we have got to, to hold on to the past in a way that teaches us and helps us grow, but to always allow ourselves to be led down the way that God is leading into a better future. Young or old, God is saying the future ahead of you is better than the past behind you. Young or old. Now, this brings me to the last thing today because you're saying, well, you know, I I probably do want to let go of the past a little bit more and have the the confidence in God's future. And and yes, I I need to make sure I'm being uh, more relational because that is the way of Christ. And yes, I need to be living this out, but... But but how, Pastor Elaine, might this... Can you give me a tip about how I might... Get there a little more. And it's the fourth spiritual principle, which I'm just going to call what's stuck in your craw. Now, what's stuck in your craw? Now, you know this phrase is it's not really that something's caught in your throat and someone needs to run over and give you the Heimlich, although I suppose it could lead you there at times. But when something's stuck in your craw, it means that you kind of can't let it go. It's an irritation to you. I mean, I think about, and every one of you have had this experience, where you've, you've bitten into a sandwich and it sticks to the roof of your mouth. Anybody never had that? I'll get you a piece of Wonder Bread and you can experience it for yourself. But, you know, uh, if you're in the privacy of your own home or with people who know you in all your your flaws and true self, you know, you maybe can take your finger and, like, get it off of there. But suppose you're you're in public or, you know, with people you don't know that well, then, then, then your tongue's got to start working it. Right? You've been there. Your tongue is... And then maybe you drink something to hope to loosen it and... You work it a little more, and then maybe if you really give up, then you kind of act like you're dropping your napkin and you go under the table and you, you get it loose. But when something's stuck, you, you keep work, working it. It's got all your, sort of your focus. It's taking your energy. And in our lives, in our spiritual lives, there are things that will get stuck in our craw. Maybe there is a person that is such an irritation to you that you you just can't be in relationship, stuck in your craw. 
Maybe there is uh, something that happened to you in your past that you have just never let go of. It's stuck in your craw. It's an irritation to you. Maybe as a community of faith, there is something that we're holding on to that's stuck in our craw, and God's saying, you know, take your finger and get it out of there. When we find these points of irritation, these things that that are working in us, God is doing something in that place of irritation. And don't ever forget that without the irritation, the oyster can never produce a pearl. If you want to know If you want to figure out where you need to grow spiritually, if you want to, in your prayer time, help the church think about how it's going to move into God's future, then you've got to figure out what's stuck in your craw. Because in that place, God is saying, there is growth that will lead you, free you, like something's blocking the way, and it crumbles and you run down the way that God has set before us. So you see, this book of Isaiah is so important. There are so many spiritual principles about the way we're all in this together, about how the way is a way we live out in those relationships, how we've got to not let the past control us, but we've got to, by faith and hope, move into God's good future. And yes, we've got to take a look at those spiritual irritations, because they're the things that are going to help us become more human, the way God wants us to be. And so in the week ahead, as these days of Lent draw to a close, I pray that every one of us will take seriously in asking ourselves and asking God to show us, what is that thing that I need to let go of so that the pearl of great price might emerge? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.